Girlfriends, episode number 265, Ideas for a Holy, Holy Week. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about some ideas for ways that you can have a holy, holy week right there in your own home with your own family. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Glad you're able to join me for this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener to the Girlfriends Podcast, I want to thank you for showing up, for giving us a try, and I hope you're going to like what you find here. Hope you're going to want to become a full-time member of the Girlfriends community. If you're an always listener, sometimes listener, occasional listener, listener every other week or so, glad to have you back. Thank you for all the things you do to connect with me here at Girlfriends. I'm so grateful for your presence here. So, it's Holy Week. How did we get here, right? It happened, whether we were ready or not. We're in Holy Week. When this publishes, we will be inside of Holy Week. And let's make some plans for that. Let's talk about that. Because whether we like it or not, here it is. And I always feel that way about Christmas. You know, we do all this work leading up toward Christmas. And I always kind of console myself with the fact that whether all this stuff gets done or not, December 25th is going to come. And it's going to be gone <laughs> after that. And time just marches on. And so this Lent, I don't know what kind of Lent you had, but you know what kind of Lent you had. And I always reflect at this time of year when we're transitioning into the newest liturgical season. So as we're moving from Lent into the Easter season, but we've got this holy time, this, this holy week in between, the triduum we have to look forward to inside of this week. So a good thing to reflect on at this time of year is that we don't earn Easter. Like sometimes I think we set these grand plans for all the great things that we're planning to do during Lent. I'm going to give up coffee. I'm going to sacrifice all these things. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to get to daily mass. I'm going to, you know, add all these prayers. And, you know, oftentimes we fall short of what our goals are. And, you know, we've kind of talked about that along the way, setting reasonable goals, but then kind of rechecking yourself and reaffirming the fact that you want to make that commitment and recommitting to what you want to do. And you might have had, you know, some ups and downs along the way this Lent. You might have had not at all the Lent you anticipated having. Maybe you laid out great plans, lofty goals, and, you know, we're planning to do a lot of holy things and really do a lot of growth during this season. And God had a different kind of Lent in mind for you. Maybe your plans were disrupted by any number of things. And then in those moments, though, I think there's a lot of grace in being open to what God is sending your way, being open to what God's will is for you in your life right now in this moment. So if you had the kind of Lent you were not anticipating, if you had uh, exactly the kind of Lent you wanted, regardless of any of that, let's keep in mind, none of us earns Easter. We can't earn God's grace. God's grace is a gift that is freely given to us. And Jesus loved us so much that he offered his very self, his body and his soul. He died for us. That's how much he loves us. And that's what we have the opportunity to reflect on during this season, especially during this Holy Week at the end of Lent, looking forward to Easter. We have this moment where we can pause and reflect on that, that the fact that no matter what your Lent looked like, Holy Week is a time to pause and notice that Jesus loves us 
anyway. Jesus is going to rise from the dead anyway. Jesus triumphs over death and sin forever, regardless of what kind of Lent you had, because you can't earn it anyway. So if you're feeling triumphant, feeling like you had a great Lent, feeling like you made all kinds of growth, I think that's wonderful. And, you know, we all have different kinds of seasons like that. So recognize that, whether you're feeling up or down about how Lent went for you this year, whether you're feeling up or down going into Holy Week this year. I know I've gone into some Holy Weeks just feeling like, whatever, let's get this thing over with, you know, because there were various kinds of stress or illness or pregnancy and the related nausea and exhaustion and that kind of thing that I've dealt with through the years. But, you know, if that's you, it's okay. You, You know, be honest about where you are, but then let's make a plan for this Holy Week. How can we make Holy Week truly a Holy Week? So, I'm going to share some very basic ideas with you here. So, you know, if you didn't have the Lent you planned, here's an opportunity for you to reset, to recommit, to say, you know what? I messed up Lent or I I didn't have the Lent I wanted for whatever reason. And now here's my opportunity to recommit, reset, start again with a fresh start to commit to what you're going to do during Holy Week, how you're going to set this time apart. How can you, not only for yourself, but for your family, for your kids, for your husband, for your church community, how can you go about having a holy, holy week? How can we set this time apart and prepare ourselves for having then a holy Easter? So I'm going to just share some very simple ideas. So first, I want to share some ideas for things that you can do through the week. And then we're going to share some sort of day-specific ideas for things you can do. And I'm going to try to include ideas that anybody can do, or also some some simple ideas for ways that you could maybe involve young kids if you have little kids. So first, things that you might consider doing throughout the entire week. First of all, I want to encourage you to, as much as you possibly can, get to the liturgies. Go to Mass. You know, the Triduum is such a beautiful time of year, such a time that's set apart in the church calendar such grace is available to you inside of the sacraments during that time of the year. So on Holy Thursday, can you get yourself to Mass for um, you know, the Last Supper and for the washing of the feet? It's really a, a beautiful thing, such a rich, rich liturgy there. Um, or can you get to adoration? Many times parishes will have, um, you know, putting away the Blessed Sacrament at the end of Mass at Holy Thursday. A lot of parishes will have a procession or um, some opportunity for adoration at the end of that, sometimes going all through the night. So even if you can't get to Mass, maybe, maybe there's a way you could sneak out. Maybe after the kids go to bed, you could get over to adoration, participate in that on Holy Thursday, or in a veneration of the cross or stations of the cross on Good Friday. Even if you don't particularly like whatever your church happens to be offering, I know many churches are going to have limited liturgies this time of year. So we're, we're dealing with COVID still, and many people are dealing with various restrictions with regard to their church calendars. So many churches are restricted in what they are offering this year. But if you don't like, you know, maybe you want to go to a Stations of the Cross and your church isn't offering that. Well, you know, shop around a little bit. We're, we're going to travel quite a distance to go to, to a couple of different liturgies this Holy Week. And I'm considering that part of what we're doing, like a mini pilgrimage, okay? If there's a liturgy that you'd like to participate in and it's not available at your parish, then consider seeking it out and making a little trip to get yourself there. It truly is worth it um, to make the time to get there, especially on Good Friday. It's a really uh, beautiful opportunity to kind of set that day apart to go to a veneration of the cross or participate in Stations of the Cross. 
And then have you ever been to an Easter vigil? Some people never have gone. And if that's you, I really want to encourage you to check it out this year. Try it. Try going to an Easter vigil with your family. Yes, even if you have little kids. So we've done this for years and we did it even back when we had a bunch of really little squirmy kids in the pews. And yeah, it takes some preparation for sure. And it doesn't always go easy. And sometimes you will have to escape to the back because if you don't know, the Easter Vigil is a very long liturgy. But the bonus is it's a liturgy that's filled with stuff. It's like got fire. You go outside. They turn out the lights in the church. There are so many readings, but it's punctuated by the lights turning on and off and often beautiful music. So there's a lot for your senses there. And many times there's a, you, you know, you're holding candles in the pews. And yes, I, I recognize that what I just described sounds like a mother's nightmare <laughs> for in church. I always wondered that through the years. I'm like, really? Seriously, Mr. Usher, you're going to hand my four-year-old a candle and then light it here in the church with these flammable hymnals around and wooden pews and my hair. Like, seems like a really bad idea. Well, we've survived. And actually, I found, of course, you don't want to be handing a an open flame to a really young kid. But after a certain age, they are very capable of it. And well, you know your kids better than I do. But they're very capable of having a sense of reverence and awe, especially in a beautiful liturgy like that. So if you have access to that, I want to encourage you to check it out. Even if you have little kids. So if you are considering going to an Easter vigil with very little kids, I do want to recommend that you prepare a little bit. So, you know, and set reasonable expectations for yourself and for your kids and for your husband if he's coming along. It's not going to go perfectly. They're not going to sit quietly in the pews and, and listen to the readings, you know, perfectly still for hours on end. That's that they're they're little human beings and they have needs. So recognize that, first of all. But then you can make a plan to keep younger kids occupied. So through the years, I've never been one of those moms who brings toys to church. And I'm not going to go into that debate, whether or not you bring toys or food or snacks or whatever to church for keeping your toddlers occupied. You know, I'm not going to judge anybody for what works for them. So generally, though, going to church, we, we didn't tend to do that. We didn't bring toys for our kids in the pew. But I would make an exception for the Easter vigil. And here's what I would do. Earlier in the day or earlier in the week, I would go to the dollar store. This is pro mom tip here. Go to the dollar store and spend 15 to $20 on 15 to 20 items. Now, these items don't have to actually be toys. <laughs> Just anything that will be safe, interesting, and quiet for your young person to look at, hold, whatever. It might be a little notepad with a pencil. It might be a sponge. Um, I'm trying to think through the years what kind of weird things we've had. You know, some of them are toys like little plastic soldiers or the idea is then you take those items and you put them into a bag. You don't let the little guy or girl or multiple see them beforehand. And then during the mass, you you get there and you get started and you don't, you don't hand over the bag right away. You wait until whoever is getting squirmy in the pew and you you need a distraction. And that's when you pull one out and let them look at it, play with it, manipulate it, whatever, as long as they're being appropriate with it until, you know, that one becomes boring. And then you've got a whole bag of tricks, so to speak, that you're ready to go through for the rest of that long mass. And, you know, it's really funny because that kind of became a tradition with us and the, the kids really loved it. Like, oh, I just remembered one that was really cool that we did was a magnifying glass that I got, you know, just a dollar at the dollar store. But they loved, you know, being able to use it in the pew, use it on the books and that sort of thing. 
thing. So be reasonable in your expectations and know that you might need to pack a bag of tricks like that. And the thing was that the key was that they hadn't seen that stuff before. You know, you're not going to be as successful if you're packing a bag of toys that they already know and or books that they're familiar with. It's the novelty tends to hold their attention and it really works like a charm. And I, I do remember some years we had multiple kind of little kids who might be interested in that, maybe three, right? And uh, I would start out by like, you know, the one and a half year old gets the toy first and then the three-year-old can get it next and then the five-year-old after that if it's necessary. So, you know, you could set up these rules ahead of time. Make your plan ahead of time. You may not like to have a bag of tricks like that, but make a plan for how you want to handle that. But I really want to encourage you to do it because it's really a gift to your kids to give them the experience of that liturgy. Don't shy away from it. You know, there are too many things that I think we shy away from because it'll be difficult with little kids. Well, this is one challenge I think that many people should consider trying you know, if it's a complete disaster and you never want to do it again, uh, you know, fine. But I want to encourage you to try it. And um, our pastor years ago, uh, Father Adrian, he's since passed away. Please, please pray for the soul of Father Adrian. He was a dear man and he was um, a loving spiritual guide to our family for many years. And I remember Father Adrian years ago stopping in the pew, and this was about uh, midnight mass. And it was, you know, the week before Christmas or whatever. And he asked if he was going to see us at midnight mass. And my first response was to tell him, no, I mean, look, we have all these little kids. We can't possibly do midnight mass. And he was like, so? And he was very matter of fact about it, like they belong there. And I felt very, first of all, welcomed by that, that I knew he expected that, you know, we would bring little kids to a liturgy like that. But I also felt like a little bit of a very practical challenge, like, why wouldn't you? And I thought his attitude was very welcoming in that way. So I'm very grateful to him for that challenge because we responded to it. We went to Midnight Mass and then we applied the same attitude when we were deciding to go to the Easter Vigil, give that a try. Because I understand the, you know, your impulse might be no way. There's no way I'm going to do that. And that would be a perfect nightmare. And, you know, that might be true for you. So I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. If going to Mass on Easter Sunday morning is more your speed, more your style, uh, go for it. But I, I want to encourage you to consider going to the vigil because it's a unique experience, such a beautiful liturgy, and it will it will feed your soul, but it's also very formative for your kids to give them access to that liturgy, even at a very young age. I think it's actually especially beneficial to bring them along at that point and kind of teach them about these traditions and show them how we live out our faith and show them the the beauty of the different ways that we worship God, especially during these special liturgies at this special time of year. So if you can, in whatever way makes sense for you, take advantage, get to whatever liturgies you can during Holy Week. Okay, now let's let's just consider some other ways during the week that that you could apply all week long. So some very simple things, things that would have applied to your Lent. Like how did you approach Lent? Were you looking for ways to make it quieter, for example? Then look for ways to make Holy Week quieter still. Like maybe you gave up television on certain nights. Well, maybe for Holy Week, you want to give up television altogether through the week until, you know, until Saturday or something. Maybe you could make it quieter through, you know, your own personal practice of not listening to the radio or not listening to podcasts after you finish this one Um, or, or looking for ways to stay off of social media. Maybe that wasn't what you did for Lent. Maybe you didn't stay off of social media. Many people do that. Maybe for Holy Week, you want to consider doing that, being off of social media or looking for a way to make 
Holy Week just a little bit more sacrificial. Maybe you've slacked off on some of your Lenten sacrifices. This is a time to regroup and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take on something something new, or I'm going to recommit to that sacrifice during Holy Week, whether it means you're um, getting up earlier or being disciplined about a bedtime or fasting from certain foods or actually fasting from food. Of course, we're, the church requires that we do that, not if you're pregnant or breastfeeding or if you're under 14 or over, I think it's 55. Anyway, look that one up because I'm not positive about the 55 thing. But that the church does require that we do that on Good Friday. But maybe you could take on something a little bit more. Maybe you want to do a little bit more fasting or just fasting from like eggs or dairy or sweets or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Look for a way to kind of go a little further, a little deeper. You know, I, I think about, you know, at the end of a workout when, if you've ever done like a guided workout with a physical trainer or, you know, through a workout app or whatever, at the end, they, they kind of walk you through a, a stretching session, right? And this is what, uh, this is what I always think about at this time of year is that when, you, when you're stretching, like say you're, you're stretching your hamstring, they'll tell you to like hold a stretch for a certain length of time. Then they'll tell you to take a breath And just try to go just a little bit deeper as you exhale. And that's what I think about this time of year during Holy Week. You know, however much you've been growing, however much you've been stretching during the season of Lent, this is a time to just take a breath and exhale and see if you can go just a little deeper in preparation for celebrating Easter. One last bit of fasting, one last bit of that. And um, this week is really an opportunity to do that. It's not a drudgery. It's an opportunity. It's something that we get to do. It's something that we get to experience. And um, Jesus is inviting us into that experience. So look for a way that you can do that. Another thing that you might do is add some more prayer, probably inside of your Lent. I encourage you to do this at the start of the Lenten season to consider some ways that you might add prayer to your every day, whether it's adding morning prayers or evening prayers as a family or adding a rosary on your lunch break or whatever you might do. Look for something that you can do along those lines during Holy Week. Maybe you've been perfect about keeping up your your prayer commitment during the Lenten season, and there's something more that you can do. Adding in the Angelus or adding in just five more minutes of prayer at a certain time of day. Maybe you want to um, just set your alarm on your phone for a certain time each day, maybe 2 p.m., and it'll interrupt you with whatever you're doing and, you know, pause to to pray a certain prayer at that time, maybe a memorare or something. You know, something as simple as that can be a nice way that you can kind of set apart this time. You can make this week more prayerful, more quiet, more sacrificial in preparation for the end of the Lenten season and in preparation for celebrating Easter. It's really a wonderful opportunity that we have. Also, all week long, you might want to consider creating a space inside your home. So just a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how to create a prayer space. And by the way, I have loved all the people who have sent me photos. If you created a prayer space, if you were inspired by what we shared inside of that recent show, I would love it if you would show me a picture or if you already had one, I'd love it. I'd love to be able to see where you pray and how you set up that area of your home or a little corner or a chair. I've seen people sharing photos of, you know, inside their office, a little corner in their office or in their bedroom or in their living room where the family gathers to pray. So anyway, that was just an aside. Send me your photos. I love them. But maybe this holy season, this holy week, you can make a prayer space in your home or, you know, somehow 
decorate inside of your home for the season. Maybe you've done that for Lent, but if you haven't, here's an opportunity to do that. Might be in a small table in the corner of your living room. You could put a crucifix there. You could put down a a scarf to just cover it and um, maybe a purple scarf would be appropriate and put a crucifix there or a holy card and some candles. And what I've loved about doing that sort of thing through the years, especially with little kids, is it really makes an impression upon them. When you set up a certain area of the home different from how you normally have it, it really underscores the fact that this is a particular season. This is a liturgical season. We are changing the look and feel of things around here because this is a sacred season. This is Holy Week. And so look for small ways you might do that. I know some crafty people use, I don't even know where you get these, but I'm intrigued by the idea to make like a crown of thorns. And I think it's like grapevine that is in the form of a wreath. And I think you can get that at craft stores and then turning that into a crown of thorns. There are some simple craft ideas. If that is you and you have done that sort of thing, I would love it if you would send me maybe the simple instructions for it. I'd love to be able to share it in in future shows when we're talking about Holy Week or preparing for Lent, or just share me a photo of what you've created along those lines. But something very simple like that, you can set up in an area on display in your home. Maybe you have an image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus you want to set up in that way. It's all just a beautiful opportunity, maybe putting your, your family Bible there, just an opportunity to highlight these holy things that we have inside of our homes and really bring them out so that people are going to be focused on them and reflective on holy themes during this season of the year. So look for a way that you can do that inside of your home. Also, some things you could do throughout the week that I just, I thought for a moment and thought, what did we used to do when the kids were little? It's different now because my kids are older, but they might still actually enjoy some of these. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it some thought. But one of the things that we always did during Lent and especially during Holy Week was bake pretzels. So, you know, we'd give up sweets. And so that meant, you know, we weren't baking the usual things like cookies or cupcakes or whatever, or, you know, sweet banana bread or whatever. So pretzels always, though, were a very Lenten thing to bake. And it's a very simple recipe. There's a recipe on my website. Um, I'll actually link it in the show notes. So if you're interested in getting a basic pretzel recipe for Lent, you can go to daniellebean.com. I will put that recipe in the show notes, though. And the show notes are always available at ascensionpress.com. If you can't remember to go there, you might want to subscribe to the show notes. Uh, Just text the word girlfriends to 33777. Then you'll get that recipe and all the other links sent right to your inbox every week. All right. So maybe baking something like that a simple thing that has, you know, significance for Lent. And then the other thing that we used to do was reading Bible stories. And we have this beautiful illustrated children's Bible. Maybe you have one you love. If you don't, though, making a note right now, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for the Bible that I've loved through the years to be able to share with our kids. It's beautifully illustrated. And you can just read the stories from there. So whether it's on Holy Thursday, you're going to read the part about the Last Supper or on Good Friday, reading the part about the crucifixion and on Holy Saturday, reading about, you know, Jesus being placed in the tomb. All of these are beautiful opportunities to just share with your children the beautiful message of Holy Week, the beautiful things that we learn and that we know about our Lord's passion and death and the the beautiful gift that he gave to us through his sacrifice of his life for us. So 
reading Bible stories, reading simple Bible stories. You don't even have to have a children's Bible. You could read the actual stories. You know, they're accessible to kids of all ages. Just reading from your Bible to the kids on whatever is appropriate to the day. I, I always found it was helpful to do that. And then it was just a short reading, but spending some time doing that perhaps in the evening before they go to bed when you normally would read stories of other kinds. And that's an opportunity to do that during Holy Week as well. All right, then I'm going to share just some basic ideas for each of the days that are more specific to each of the days. So on Holy Thursday, we've already mentioned the washing of the feet, and you may or may not be able to get to a liturgy where that's being done. But I've heard of people doing it in their own homes. I've never done that. And you know what? I actually don't think I would. I'm not sure my family would go in for that. (laughs) They might not think washing of the feet in our home um, would be a great experience. But if you are interested in doing that, I know I've seen uh, write-ups online about how you might go about doing that in your own family. But the idea is acts of service for one another. Maybe together as a family, you could commit to on Holy Thursday, making acts of service for one another. Make it a day where you challenge everybody to do one small thing for another person in the family or for each of the other people in the family. And uh, bonus points if you do it in a secret and anonymous way. So, you know, because it's really, that's the message at Holy Thursday that Jesus at the Last Supper, of course, is giving us the Eucharist, but he's also telling us that we are called to serve one another. And then he gives us that example of washing of the feet, of humbling ourselves in service to one another. So that's that's a beautiful example that our Lord sets for us, and then we can act it out in our own homes and families in ways that are going to be meaningful to you. Maybe not inside of your home. Maybe you don't even have little kids or don't have many people in your home, but you can still do this on Holy Thursday. You can focus on some act of service. Maybe there's someone in your life who would like a visit or a neighbor who you could offer to you know, do their grocery shopping or yard work if they're an elderly person. Or maybe there's um, an organization that you would like to support with your time. You could do that on Holy Thursday. Um, maybe even just walking outside your front door, there's trash that you could pick up in your neighborhood. You know, this occurred to me the other day because in fact, I'm I'm making a note to myself right now that this is going to be a good Holy Thursday activity for me. The other day when I ran outside, it's it's been a little warmer here and I am getting outside for my my regular runs. I hadn't been on this particular road, which is near our house for, for quite some time. And I was astonished at how much trash there was alongside the road. I mean, it was gross. There's like beer bottles and wrappers and, you know, uh, grocery bags and, you know, just random junk cans and it's horrible. So that really stood out to me. I'm, of course, I was on a run at the time, so I didn't stop, but I, I made a note of it. And I think that will be a good act of service for me on Holy Thursday, maybe to just walk that route and pick up some of that trash. Like that's a, a gift of service that doesn't take a lot of preparation. And pretty much every one of us could do it. You could find a space, whether it's in a public place or right in your own neighborhood that could use some cleaning up. And you know, you can bring your kids along, you could make it a group effort, and that will really kind of underscore the lesson of the day, which is all about acts of service, giving of ourselves in service to others. And, you know, humble service. That I mean, that's really the point, right? Like, that's why Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. It was a humble thing to do. It was a humble act. So he was really looking to show them just how much he loved them by humbling himself in that way. And he tells us to do the same, that not to consider any job beneath yourself, if, if our Lord can wash our feet, then 
who are we to say that any job on this earth is beneath us in any way? So it's an opportunity to reflect on that on Holy Thursday, whether you have kids in your life or not, it's an opportunity for every one of us to think about that challenge and how we might answer it. All right, then on Good Friday, so maybe you can't get to a liturgy, but there are ways you can venerate the cross right there in your own home. There are ways you can do the stations of the cross right there in your own home. Um, A couple of years ago, I printed up some images of the stations of the cross, and you can easily find them online. Just do a Google search and find ones that you like, and you can print them up and you could put them at different places in your house. So then as a family or as an individual, you can walk from station to station and, and pray the stations of the cross, a very appropriate way to recognize Good Friday. And one thing I think I've mentioned this before that we did last year in our home was on Good Friday, we decided we were going to keep silence in our house during the hours of 12 and 3, which are um, considered the hours when Jesus hung on the cross and he died at 3 p.m. So that was a way to kind of reverence those hours and to reflect on our Lord's sacrifice was we weren't going to be talking with one another. We weren't going to have video games. We weren't going to be watching TV or, you know, on our phones. It was going to be quiet time for prayer and for reflection. And it's a very simple thing, but I was surprised last year by how much that made a real sense of holy stillness in our home. I went outside for part of it and and walked outside and came back in. And especially because we have a number of people in our home, usually there is noise, there's activity, there's talking, there's interaction. So it did kind of stand out to me as significantly different. And that's a really nice way that you could very simply set apart Good Friday this year in your home. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't even have to go outside of your house. Don't have to prepare anything. You can just do that. Another way that you might set apart the day of Good Friday, whether you're able to get to a liturgy or not, and this is one that I've done for years, and I have no idea who inspired me to do this, but I think it is kind of a traditional thing to do, is do some deep cleaning in your house. It feels very appropriate because, you know, it is sacrificial. It is it is penitential in a way, but it feels like a really good way to prepare for Easter, just cleaning out your home, whether you're going to declutter or I usually include like cleaning the floors, which is a big job, you know, when you clean all the floors in your living space, whether it's vacuuming or, or mopping wood floors or tiles, that's, that's, you know, those kind of bigger jobs, maybe save some of those. Maybe you're going to clean your bathrooms on Good Friday. Maybe you're going to do a deep clean in your kitchen or, or declutter your kitchen cabinets on Good Friday. It's a nice way to get ready for Easter celebrations. Maybe you're hosting some people this year if you're lucky enough to be able to do that. Or maybe you're just celebrating at home as a family, but having a clean home in which to do that would be a wonderful thing. Um, But Good Friday is an appropriate time to do some of that. And, you know, just consider what's one big job, at least one that you could consider taking on. And or maybe you want to clean outside of your home. Maybe there's some yard work that's kind of tedious, kind of hard to do, takes a big time commitment. Uh, Look for a way that you might be able to do something along those lines on Good Friday and invite your kids to participate in that along with you. You might assign certain chores, not as punishment, but as an opportunity to participate in the season, in the Holy Week observation of Good Friday, that this is a time when we're looking to do extra sacrifice, when we're looking to be of service to others and doing things to clean your home, doing chores around the house or outside the house is really just a a lovely and very simple way to do that. So you might consider adding that to your Good Friday. And then also you might consider doing 
you know, whatever kind of fast you're doing, if you're pregnant or nursing, you don't you don't have to participate in the church's fast, the requirement, or if you have other health conditions, that doesn't apply to you. But maybe you're fasting from sweets, maybe maybe Good Friday's a day you might want to consider fasting from one thing that you really would miss, like coffee that you haven't done previously. Or uh, I know some people fast on just eating bread and drinking water on Good Friday, you know, depending upon your health and your your physical circumstances, that might be appropriate. But look for something like that. And if fasting from food in any way isn't something that is going to work for you, then look for something else you could fast from. Maybe you want to make a conscious effort to fast from complaining. Maybe you want to fast from you know, idle conversations, just keeping more silent during the day or fasting from social media for sure. And um, other ways that we've talked about keeping more quiet in your day, look for a way that you might intensify that on Good Friday this year. So those are just some of my challenges. And really basically what I want to tell you about making Holy Week holy, having a Holy Holy Week, the basic principles are, you know, keep it simple. You're going to wind up having the most success and feeling most satisfied in how you experience Holy Week together with your family, with your husband, with your kids, if you keep it simple and make it something that's really doable. And sometimes those very simple things become the most meaningful things that we do together as a family, especially when we're observing um, Holy Week together. And then just look for ways to set it apart. Look for ways to make this week different from every other week of the year. I think the small ways that you can do that really can add up and they really make a significant difference in your own experience of Holy Week, but then especially in the minds of young children if you have kids at home. And then just follow through. So make that plan, keep it simple and look for ways to set the week apart and then just follow through. It's as simple as that. I am going to be praying for you to have a holy, holy week. If you have ideas that you want to share for me about ways that you are observing Holy Week, I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me on social media. Send me your photos. Send me your photos on Instagram. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Danielle Bean on Facebook. Also, you can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Coming up, I've got a little listener feedback for you, but first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Father Mike Schmitz and myself wrote a new book called Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. If you want to be able to cultivate virtues that oppose your dominant vices, avoid the near occasion of sin, and cultivate the near occasion of grace, then I want to encourage you to check out our book, Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, at EssentialPress.com and Amazon.com. From all of us here at Essential Presents, I'm Father Josh Johnson. Okay, welcome back. All right, now I've got a little bit of listener feedback for you. And this one, I don't have this person's name. I just have her Instagram handle. So I won't bother sharing that. This came to me from someone on Instagram who shared with me this question. She said, I've been meaning to reach out to you for a while now. I've loved your podcast ever since I began listening a year ago. And now I always recommend it. I'm writing to you today for advice. I work full time and honestly, I find it so hard to make time for my son and husband. I get home and get so grumpy because I want the house to look good and clean. And then I get upset because I know I need to cook. And by the time I'm done, I just want to cry because it's late and soon will be bedtime. My husband is a new amputee. He's walking now and we're learning to live with the changes. He isn't working just yet. He's home and is a great help. I'm so thankful for him. I just need advice because I've become so depressed and moody when I get home. I pray throughout the day, but I feel the need to change myself. Any tips would be appreciated so much. All right. So first of all, I just want to say this 
is a lot that you are dealing with. Recognize that. It's really important that you recognize that. Cut yourself some slack. Give yourself a break. Don't be so hard on yourself with regard to, you know, spending quality time together and the stresses of that and working and having a clean house and making a great dinner. And just recognize that this is a lot, this this change that you're going through with your husband and his recent surgery is really a life-changing thing. It's a very difficult thing that you are going through together and there are stresses that you're going to experience individually and then together and then as a family as a result of that. So recognize that first and foremost, you are adapting to a lot. And that's, you know, it's very normal that it would feel very hard right now. So that said, you might benefit from, you know, seeking some counseling of some kind, um, whether it's, you know, officially therapy or just talking to a counselor or, you know, talking with your priest, you just, you might benefit from that. Your your mental health might benefit from that. Whether or not you have a diagnosable anything with regard to your mental health, I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. You, know, you may need to explore that, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like you're just struggling through a hard time right now. And just don't, I wanted to mention the idea of getting some of that that help in a professional way, just so that you don't rule that out. That could be very helpful to you because this is a big thing, big thing that your family's going through right now. And each of you personally are adapting to it in your own ways. And and you, you know, kind of working through it and trying to be strong for your husband and wanting to be there for your son. And, you know, that's a lot that you are taking on. Then I just want to suggest that you consider some ways that maybe you could get some help. You know, set Telling you to give yourself a break, I know, is only so helpful because if it's just you and you feel like this is falling on your shoulders, then, you know, that's not very helpful. But if you're able to hire out help, whether it's for cooking or for cleaning or for childcare or, you know, whatever's going to give you a little bit of space, a little bit of a break, take some of that burden off of your shoulders. Really want to encourage you to look for ways that you might do that. And then besides that, though, I, I want to say that it's it's nice and it's a good thing that you want the house clean, that you want dinner made. Like this, these are good things that you want to do for your family. It's very normal that you want to do those things. This isn't you, you know, being a selfish jerk. This is you wanting good things for your family. That's a good motivation. But getting a little bit of help might might just free you up a little bit, give you a little bit of space to breathe, to give yourself the time and the space to adapt to all that you have going on right now. And if you aren't able to afford to hire out help, I don't know what budget you might have for that, then look for ways that you can use the help that you mentioned. Your husband is very helpful. So, you know, one way that this might work is talk with your husband about this, make a plan for this, you know, let him know that you're struggling with this and that you're tired and you want to be be there for him and be there for your son, but you're, you're struggling to do that well. And all of these things you feel like need to get done. You've mentioned that he's very helpful. And so maybe I know right when you come home, maybe you just want to be connecting with your son. I You might be feeling guilty for being away or um, stressed from work and that you just, I think when right when you come home from work should be a relaxing time for you. And maybe just in a, a relaxed way, spend some time with your son and feel like you connected with him and said hello and mommy's home and same with your husband. But then, you know, maybe work out like after an hour, like after you've been home for an hour, before you have to dive in to make dinner or start cleaning the house or whatever, that you get a little space. Maybe ask your husband if he could do that. Like, could he be with your son for, you know, after you've greeted them and spent a little time with them? Could he give you 30 minutes? 
to go and, you know, change your clothes or take a shower or just light a candle and read a book or just do whatever that you find relaxing. I think if you take that mini break there in between, if you connect with your family, take that little mini break, then that's going to reinvigorate you to go back and be of service to your family again in whatever way makes sense. Um, so get, get help if you can. And don't feel bad about that. If you're going to get takeout, you know, a couple of nights a week, you know, make that plan together with your husband. Or if you're going to get help with house cleaning, um, have somebody in once a week or, or whatever whatever works for you. Um, I really would recommend doing that. But there are ways you can be adaptable, even if you aren't able to hire somebody to help. You know, working with your, your very helpful husband is um, a great place to start. But, you know, give yourself space. Give yourself that time. And, you know, pray for the strength that you need and, and know that I'll be praying for you. I know that you and your husband, it sounds like you are a great gift to one another and that you will, in fact, find the right balance in all of this together. This is a difficult time of transition and not all times inside of your family life are equally stressful. This is a particularly stressful time. So acknowledge that and know that God's going to give you the grace that you need to love each other and to love your son well through it all. I'm going to be praying for you, especially to have peace inside of that process. Now, before we have to go, I just want to give a shout out to T.T. Livy, who recently gave me a five-star review on iTunes, which is so helpful to the podcast. So T.T. Livy said, Danielle is a breath of fresh air. Danielle really lifts my mood, helps me to find balance, and provides so many faith-rooted tips for living as a faithful Catholic woman in this crazy broken world. Thank you, Danielle, for sharing your life and wisdom with us. So thank you for that, T.T. Livy. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, please consider going over to iTunes and just rating and reviewing the podcast. It is so hugely helpful for us in getting the word out, getting the podcast to more people, reaching more people, and inviting more to become a part of this community right here at Girlfriends. So if you have a moment to do that, I would be so grateful for you considering it. And that is all the time we have for today. But if you have a question or a topic you'd like to see on a future show, I would love to hear from you. You can always connect with me through email, danielle at daniellebean.com or on social media. I love to see you on Instagram. I love to share there. So I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram. Would love to connect there. And that's it for today, but I'm so grateful you've been here. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for spending a bit of your time here with me this week. I'm going to be praying for you in the coming days. I'm going to be praying for all of you to have a holy, holy week. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.